You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 113. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Hopefully, you are all staying healthy and you're all settling into your quarantine or homestay or lockdown or whatever. And for those of you who have gotten sick, I wish you a speedy recovery. Um, Yes, I've known a few people who have come down with this. Um, I'll start with the coronavirus update because this is hard to ignore. But the predictions panel that you are going to hear later is the main event today. And it really is an extraordinary time to try to project uh, or predict technological and social trends. I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to be overfitting this crisis, you know, as every prediction we make is kind of a reflection of our current predicament. And maybe that'll be less relevant in the future. We'll be like, oh, well, this was the uh, this was the quarantine prediction. Of course, we would say that. Um, or possibly, maybe this crisis enables us to make better predictions now that we see what's really happening. Maybe we're getting a moment of clarity, maybe a little bit of both. So, I believe I covered overfitting and underfitting in episode 16. That's kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of this episode. Time will tell to see how we did. That's why we bring these up again in the future. Uh, so very, very interesting brainstorm. Uh, back back to COVID-19 before we get started. This week is going to be the worst week here in New York City, or so they say, the authorities. Uh, according to the death counts, the number of new cases and number of new infections, it appears, Um, I really hope that it starts going down after this week. There is some encouraging news on the death count here in New York City, or maybe in New York State, too. I'm not sure if it's a state or city, but it went down two days ago and yesterday remained stable. Um, So hopefully that means it's it's stabilizing and, and we are not experiencing exponential growth, which I don't know if this bothers anyone else, but it's not mathematically exponential growth. People just use it as a stand in for accelerating growth, you know, growing faster and faster as we go on, uh, which can be, which, you know, is just as dangerous. It's the same thing. Um, I'm looking forward to going back to even two weeks ago, where I was kind of comfortable going out for walks in the park and bike rides and even walks to the grocery store. Uh, I envy you, those of you who are in more rural areas, maybe you can get more fresh air than I can. The windows in these apartments, you know what I'm saying? So these apartments are, the windows are great. The windows themselves, they're uh, floor to ceiling windows. And, uh, you know, I could see everything out there. Um, huge glass panels. I could see the, I could see the Statue of Liberty. I'm looking at the Statue of Liberty right now. I could see all over, uh, you know, well, down to, um, Cobble Hill and uh, Red Hook on one side. Here, there's Borum Hill, Brooklyn Heights, and the Statue of Liberty in the harbor. But the windows don't open very much. They're not really, you know, they open about two inches. So I I think they're just afraid people are going to jump out, so they don't want them to open. Uh, So I got to put my nose against the window to get whiffs of that fresh Brooklyn air from time to time. We're going to stay in here and stay sane. Hopefully, the air coming off the harbor, but... uh, yeah, I mean, hey, maybe it's been fresher than than usual, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's what they are. So I, I'll get outside more even before lockdown is over. Um, now today, the, this week is just being extra cautious uh, during peak week, so it's really just staying inside. I have one fresh roll of toilet paper left. 
with another delivery Wednesday. That's two days. So hopefully I can make it that far. Um, I have I have other things I can use if need be. It's a, they say don't go out unless you have to. The question is, what does it mean have to? I'm just sort of trying to trying to think of what that what that is right now. But so far I don't have to. So why not? Um, okay. Fortunately, uh, the hospitals are rough this week for the people working there. We're, but the the fortunate thing is we're not seeing yet a total breakdown of the system as some voices have have predicted on on Twitter and such. I feel like there's a group of people on Twitter who seem to fetishize the idea that the United States is just some backward country and that our entire system will fall apart under these circumstances. I'm concerned about that. And reading this stuff makes me concerned. But And I don't know if you see it too, but some people are almost giddy at the idea that America fails on this one. And that's not a real prognosis. That's just someone's... Uh, mental issues that they're working through by venting on on Twitter. Obviously, after this is done, we're going to find a lot of things that we did wrong, and we're also going to find a lot of things that we did right. But um, so far, even at peak, we're not seeing the complete breakdown of care or hospital beds being um, overbooked. There's a lot of shouting about ventilators uh, that were running low, but so far, no reports of large amounts of death because people are waiting for ventilators. Um, So I'll link to the New York Times, and this is an unironic linked to the New York Times, thankfully this time, uh, which is writing about what's going on here in that city. Um, and uh, and uh, I, I, I'll, I, I'm just getting my information there. So that's, uh, th- that's a good thing. Healthcare workers, doctors, and first responders are, uh, are the heroes in this whole thing. They're getting cheers every day at 7 o'clock. Uh, let's hear some of that outside. Uh, I took some video of... Um, of what was going on outside at 7 o'clock. I didn't know what it was, and I heard something. I opened the window, and then I realized what it was, so I, I took some recording. This is what I hear. All right, now I have uh, an air horn at my window. I, I reach for my air horn now. I have a, an air horn at my window to join in. I don't know if that's wholly inappropriate, but we'll see. I can't even see where this is coming from. <laughs> that's, an, that's the amazing thing. Like, I, I, you can hear it. I, I hear literally hundreds of people shouting out from their windows, but uh, I look outside and I see no one, but it's still pretty, pretty loud, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, and finally, at Foursquare... We uh, released free data tools to help track the rise of coronavirus. Go to visitdata.org for now if you want to go check some of that out. More is to come. Uh, And I'll post some links on the show notes page as well as an episode of Christian Hub's Artificially Intelligent, which I appeared on this week to talk about. Uh, Big news at Foursquare just today, by the way. Foursquare purchased uh, Factual, so big change at the company. I don't think it's a big change for the stuff I'm working on, but... um, Maybe we'll have to talk about that sometime down the road. All right, so time for the main event. Let's talk about the tech retreat that I held last weekend. Usually this is a destination event, not a fancy or expensive destination, but we usually go outside our homes, not so this time, and a big part of it is brainstorming the future of technology, whether it's consumer technology, products, trends, even social, political trends, and the idea is to 
first of all, try to get better at forecasting over time and see where we're right and where we're wrong, and also just becoming more of an outside-the-box thinker when it comes to product ideas or investment ideas and things like that. So this is not stuff that's like meticulously researched. It's just getting a bunch of smart people together to brainstorm, to see what happens. Always a lot of fun. Usually I give a presentation beforehand, kind of a deep dive maybe into a few articles on a certain aspect of technology, which, which I've been looking into. Didn't get to do it this year because this, this year was a little more bare bones. Um, but uh, yeah, it's also it's my first Zoom interview with multiple people. I realize I have to call on people because if I say if there's a pause, you know, Aaron doesn't jump right in. There are lots of people. So a lot of stuff is going on in everybody's home. So it kind of makes it funny. So without further ado, here is the expert panel from the Tech Retreat 2020. Let me just introduce our panelists before we go forward. We're going to do a bunch of tech predictions today, like we usually do. And so first we've got, uh, and everyone I think who's, who's on this has been on the local maximum before. Is that correct? That's oh, yes. correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's correct. First one, Craig Lorenzen. He was on our video game show with Dennis Crowley. Craig, welcome to the program. Welcome back to, to the back, program. Max. Uh, Crystal, you were on our last prediction show, which was all the way back in the fall of 2018. Um, and uh, you did a really good job on that one. So I'm really thankful for you to come back for this one. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. And Aaron, welcome back to the show. Yeah, not my first uh, time attending virtually, but I, I guess it's a first for the rest of you. Uh, yeah. And, and referring to it as the last uh, prediction episode sounds quite ominous. No, no, no. The, the last one, like the one, from, uh, the, the one from 2018 is what I call it, right? Well, it, it is the previous one, but saying it's the last is uh, concerning. Okay. No, no, no. It wasn't the last one. It was, it was the previous one, people. All right. So let's talk about, here's the, um, here's the way we did it. Now, we just spent all afternoon with each other uh, going over our past predictions and trying to make some new ones. I think we all had a pretty good time. Uh, we also have a live audience here, so the audience can chime in if you guys want to. Uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some predictions we made in the past that were hits, a few predictions that we made that were uh, misses or either perceived as hits or perceived as misses, let's be honest with ourselves, and then some, uh, discuss a few new ones that we think are interesting. All right. You guys ready for that? Ready. All right. Let's go. Okay. So the first one I wanted to talk about was one that I made way back in 2015. 2015 was the first year that we did this. And we talked about health data being generated by wearables that changes the health industry. I think that maybe was an obvious one back then, but was the, was the Apple Watch even available in 2015 in February? I think it was just becoming available. Uh, I could be wrong about that. The, what do you guys think? I, maybe it was 2014. So I think people are already starting to talk about this, but we've seen wearables all over the place. We've seen wearables for, for infants and babies. Isn't that right? And, yeah, the, uh, the owlet thing I just heard about for, uh, for monitoring your baby's sleep. It, uh, you put it in a sock on your kid's toe. And, in a sock. Yeah, it's a sock with like a thing that wraps around their foot and you get O2 saturation levels and other information like that. Wow. Okay. And I think they're also making uh, diaper-based ones to let you know when someone needs a change. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's certainly an interesting idea. Um, obviously, you know, smell would work on that one, but uh, I don't know. 
maybe uh, sometimes you're not so sure. Sometimes, well, anyway. Uh, okay, so no, I, I thought that was an interesting one. It was, may, it was maybe an obvious one, uh, maybe not as obvious in 2015, but still pretty pretty obvious. And one that we uh, kind of need right now. Uh, we sort of need, you know, to know about people's mobility and health, especially as we fight coronavirus, you know, the, the data that people are gathering on who may have it and who's being, who's interacting with whom and, and um, how people are doing, you know, heart rates and, and temperatures and all that. It's a little creepy keeping tabs on everybody's health, but uh, in, in some ways, you know, a lot of organizations are interested in it and could use it for, for good to uh, fight the current outbreak. Um, all right. So, well, anything on that before I move on? What was the uh, year that you made that prediction, Max? Uh, this was February 2015. So, yeah, the, uh, the original release of the Apple Watch, so you probably did see it like being advertised, was April 24th, 2015. So probably uh, around that time, you were seeing the original Apple Watch being displayed and thinking about that and for right. future use of it. So the reason why I think this is uh, a good hit is that it's a good hit is one that isn't that obvious. And, you know, I could have made a prediction there and I might have, I could have made a prediction saying, Oh, the watch will replace the phone or, you know, we'll be texting on our watches or we'll be talking like Dick Tracy on our watches. Yes, we do that all as novelty, but um, the fact that that the changes in health data was, was going to be a a bigger deal than that. I think, uh, I I think makes it more interesting. Um, Another one that, well, you guys weren't a part of this one that I found interesting was um, uh, we'll go to Mariam. Who's also been on the show. uh, Couldn't make this, uh, this prediction panel today, but (laughs) I like this one because she was part of our predictions back in the summer of 2017 before we did uh, before we did any, uh, b- before I launched the local maximum, and sh- we we make a lot of predictions about Foursquare because we both work there about you know what consumer apps we're we putting out, what, where's the company going to be, when are we going to be profitable, that whole thing. So she wrote that by the summer of 2022, Foursquare will buy Snapchat, and she made that in 2017. That was a joke. I remember it was just we were talking about how poorly Snapchat was doing back then, and we were like. By, by then, they'll be down so much that uh, we'll be able to buy them. But the funny thing is, is that in, in, at the beginning of 2019, uh, Foursquare bought Placed from Snapchat. So we did buy a piece of it. So I thought that was a pretty funny, uh, pretty funny outcome where kind of a, a joke of a prediction like sort of came true. Um, Okay, and then finally is a hit that Aaron made. Uh, Aaron, what was, the, uh, what was the one that you made from 2017? That baby is so cute, by the way. Oh, wait, you're muted. My, my attention is split in three different directions right now, so I, I don't know which one that was. Oh, just read the first one. I'll, I'll read it for you. You wrote in 2017, uh, fact checking, uh, the fact checking capabilities of our social networks, that's Facebook and Twitter and all that have failed period. <laughs> that, that's what you wrote. Um, Aaron, I don't know how you could have been more right. They said they were going to be on top of this on 2017. They were like, we're going to work on this three to five years. We'll get it done. And it's been three years and I feel like we've backtracked a little bit. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that a little bit. Uh, I mean, we certainly talked about it on the show before, um, but I think even back at the retreat then, that this wasn't a problem that automation was going to be able to solve. Um, yeah. and, and remember, we were fresh out of the first round of, of uh, investigations into 2016. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. 
we, we, we were even talking pretty, about this in 2015, though. In, in yeah, the, we were pretty, pretty secure in our belief that this is, this is not something they're going to be able to solve as quickly and easily as they think. And uh, I think, you know, for example, the Snopes Facebook partnership, uh, I, think has, it, it, I think it was born and died uh, in between then and now. I, I did not know that it died. Do you know anything about what, what happened there? Well, I, died maybe is a little too strong a term, but I think they've, they've both distanced each, themselves from each other a little bit in terms of the uh, exclusive and, and comprehensive nature of their relationship. Yeah. So based on your prediction, I made another one for the future that I don't know if this one is a really good, um, good probability of hitting, but I thought it was an interesting idea, is that you can train your own fact checker um, like you can train your own personal fact checker by what you say is true or not based on, on, on your labels. And so it wouldn't be a global fact checker, but there would be kind of a bunch of local fact checkers where you can at least decide, okay, um, at a glance, uh, this kind of matches up with the sources and, um, and approaches that I've believed in the past, which again, could drive people deeper into their, into their bubbles but I feel like that's more likely to succeed than trying to build a global fact checker. All right. So let's go on to our misses of the past. This is one that I made in 2015. I said, uh, trust computers and AIs to make household purchases. I feel like you, that could be done, right? I could say, uh, you know, hey, buy me stuff that uh, you think will improve my life. Uh, but I just don't think that people, um, people want the control to know that, they, that, that they're the ones making the purchase. Why do you guys think that hasn't happened? Start why, with they haven't, why people haven't uh, selected to use AIs to make their purchasing decisions for them? Yeah. Yeah, I, just think, I, I think at least what I've seen is AIs often are, make silly selections and silly options available, and that you, the first time you get a random, like, I don't know, random dollhouse in the mail that you didn't plan to buy, you decide, oh, wait, this thing isn't very intelligent about what I might want. So then you, uh, you back off on that. And we heard that type of thing uh, from news programs actually talking about kids getting certain uh, purchasing device to pull a dollhouse and send it home. And then yeah. people were like, oh, wait. We're well, talking about the Alexa, right? Yeah, I was trying to, to leave the, the name off and make it so we didn't actually start people's uh, Amazon Echo device talking <laughs> you just, to us. Mine just lit up, but it knew not to, it knew not to get involved here. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, what, what do you think, Crystal? Do you think people would be willing? You work at Amazon. What do, you, do you think that people would be willing to allow AIs to make their household purchases? I think right now it's really good to assist with that process. And let's say if I'm in the middle of like cleaning my house and I realize that I need a certain household product, then I can talk to Alexa and just ask her to add that particular household product to my shopping cart. So then it's there that I can review later. Right. Um, what if, what if but you then, need, need the, um, what if you need the cleaning supply and then you're like, oh, I should order it. And then all of a sudden you get a knock at the door. Oh, we predicted that you would have needed this. So here you go. I just can't imagine that example right now um, of it <laughs> happening. And I do think people like to have that control over what they're purchasing. So you're saying like, don't even ask for it. Just imagine it. And then all of a sudden it would arrive. Well, no. Uh, well, yeah, but um, it, it's not because it detected that you imagined it. It's because the algorithm uh, determines that you are very mm -hmm. likely to need it. 
Maybe um, I know some businesses um, are just using that feature right now where they're detecting like their shelf space, for example, they have a shelf space in a restaurant and they need so many canisters of coffee. And then when the weight changes on that shelf, then, you know, it's time to reorder. But I don't know if homes are structured in that way or if we'd want to invest in that structure to then have that system of like automatic reordering. Yeah, yeah. So it might be something that's better for businesses than homes. Right. Um, uh, all right. So I'd say the, the closest yeah. thing we see to that on the consumer side is there are some smart uh, refrigerators that have a camera looking on the inside. And so they can monitor expiration dates and when you're running low on things and automatically add it to your shopping list. I don't know if they've linked that all the way up to the chain to uh, also cause it to go ahead and order your next gallon of milk automatically for you. But I, I think part of the hesitation for going further with a lot of this uh, is is the same reason we haven't seen people doing a lot of online ordering of, of things from grocery stores un, until now, um, is that you, you don't trust somebody else or, or a robot or the algorithm to pick out your produce. And if you don't trust to that level, then you certainly wouldn't trust them to pick out things without you even telling them the type of thing you want. Yeah, it could get expensive. Right. Um, and also life is so dynamic that, you know, just because you're running low on milk doesn't mean you actually want more milk. It might half the time, but the other half of the time you're going out of town and then it arrives and then you have that problem there of then having to teach the algorithm whoever's ordering this that you just don't want it this time and it becomes yeah. a hassle. It seems like this problem, the more we dive into it, is not a narrow AI problem. It really is a, a general AI problem where you need to have a human level understanding of the world to be any good at it. And even then, there's no guarantee that you're going to be I'm sure Google would say, oh, we've, we've got a way to solve that, but I'm not comfortable letting my refrigerator have full access into my personal and business calendar yet. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, sure, sure. You could give it access to the calendar. But right. That I don't think our purchases are there, – there's a lot of things that people do that are predictable, and I think Amazon has proven that purchases are predictable uh, probabilistically pretty well to, you know, to, to make a very good business model in terms of recommending items to people. But we're not that, we still are human beings. Human beings are very complex and uh, human behavior is not predictable down to the individual level and probably will not be anytime soon. And in order to make a product uh, that, give, that automatically buys you products uh, work, then you're going to have to have that level of understanding in the algorithm and, and that's not likely to happen. Yeah, it's, it's a, from recommending that somebody check something out as opposed to actually going and buying it for them, whether you're a, a person or an algorithm doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we also talked about another hit was um, putting stuff on people's calendars without their permission. And that's totally being done. It's being done, especially by podcasters. A lot, of, a lot of people are using Calendly now where you can put something on someone else's calendar and set up your calendar and, and it imports all your calendars. So it tells other people when you're free and you could almost have AI versus AI scheduling as well. Some people, some of that set up. So uh, for calendar invites uh, for certain types of meetings, particularly virtual meetings, people do do that or, or let a machine take that, but for buying products, not so much. Uh, okay. This is another interesting one, that, a prediction that I made that didn't come true. And I think, uh, Craig, you wanted to talk about this. But this is at least one of the participants in this prediction brainstorm will own a VR set by 
winter 2020. That's now. I made this prediction two and a half years ago. Virtual reality was really overhyped. It's still making progress. It's still marching in progress, but it, it sort of it was at the top top of the Gartner hype cycle, where it was at the top of its hype hype, and now it's not really t- being talked about as much. What do you think uh, is happening there, uh, Craig? Uh, why do you think I overestimated that, and how do you think we could better estimate what's going to happen in the VR space in the future? Well, I think the amount of, of growth in the VR space that we were seeing was a real reason why, and as you said, the, at the top of the hype cycle, because I had been involved in multiple things, like seeing uh, the Omni uh, like mobile platform where you can move in all directions and things like that. So I think we were all getting to that sort of optimistic about the quality and the availability, the ability for us to just make our whole house or make a room into a VR center. And then we just found that the actual like quality and the amount of CPU performance you needed to, to actually produce that high quality environment and enjoyable experience was a little bit beyond what we were getting to. So I think that the even though we've always had like the Moore's law of doubling of performance every so often, every what was it every ten years was the idea of Moore's law? No. Oh, less I think two and a half or something. Two, it's, Maybe eighteen it's months. Like, yeah, yeah, eighteen months. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. So it is only like a year and a half or so. Uh, for doubling of power. And I guess that we got too caught up in that because I don't think we're seeing necessarily that doubling of raw power anymore. And that's one of the things that VR kind of needed. I think we're almost there in terms of gaming systems being at that level and getting it ubiquitously into homes because of PS View and things like that, the PS4 VR helmet. Yeah, I mean, I went to a VR place here in Brooklyn, and I have to say, it was pretty amazing technology. I put on the helmet, and I really felt like I was playing ping pong. Like, the physics was was perfect, and um, it almost like tricked my brain into thinking I was really there. They actually had to tell you, like, make sure you don't try to lean on the ping pong table because it's not really there. Uh, and, and, and you're like, well, that's a funny thing to say. And then when you put on the helmet, you just realize, oh, wow, I could see how you could be tricked into making that mistake. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I was thinking about um, just, we, we just got a AAA game released by uh, Valve for their, for the Valve VR with their Steam Index environment. But going to that whole, try not to like lean on the table that's in front of you because your body sees something in front of you and your brain says, oh, I know how these things work. These things that I call tables, you can lean on them and they hold you. Um, but then the, the converse, which is pretty funny, I think, uh, I was playing a game at a friend's place and he had it set up incorrectly, like he had his monitor right in front of you. So you're supposed to like punch this evil thing in the, in the face when you're playing. Yeah. And I'm right. like slowly punching out and I noticed that I hit something like, wait a second, oh, that's the, the monitor. So I have to punch over the monitor to hit the person. So you've got that <laughs> dichotomy, either the thing is not there or there's a thing there you don't expect to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, well, Yes. I mean, it, setting, setting up all that, like you have to have enough space. You can't see what's going on. It's very dangerous to do that in the home. Sort of a controlled environment uh, that you could set up at like a, a commercial establishment maybe. But um, yeah, I could see how some of these could end up being uh, very tricky unless you're someone with like a lot of space and you could devote a whole room to the VR room, which uh, most people can't do. And I'll um, just leave, leave off with when we, when I saw this prediction, I said, and I'm almost about to buy one myself too. That's so what that's I thought. That's thing. probably what, what I thought back then as well. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, do I really need this? Um, am I going to use this? Probably not. Uh, I, I'd say the other big hurdle is uh, getting over the, the movement issue that 
it's it's one thing if if the person is is stationary or the or the game is on rails, but if the experience requires you to move through it, um, either having a workaround so you don't have to physically move in the space you're in, uh, or figuring out a way to deal with the uh, VR induced motion sickness that a significant portion of the the population have, I think those are those are two big challenges for kind of getting the technology over the next hump. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into, I, I want to briefly mention some of my cryptocurrency predictions or Bitcoin predictions, because uh, I, I sort of covered that in last week's episode of the Local Maximum with Naomi Brockwell. But uh, basically the ones I made in 2015, I overestimated how much it would be used in day-to-day life. I thought we'd be using it, you know, maybe at a point in sale at certain stores and stuff. And you could use it in a few stores here, but not really not that many. Uh, it's impractical for that. But I underestimated the price. I thought the price would go up by a lot. It went up by even more than that. And it's very surprising. Uh, you know, you haven't heard about the Bitcoin. You, you keep hearing about all the crashes that it has. But I checked the last time we were doing this show, it was the same price, 6500 as it is now, although by the time this goes out, it could change. Um, of course, it was a lot higher until the coronavirus crash. Uh, but um, it's held up remarkably well. And my prediction for this time was actually $2,000 a Bitcoin, uh, which when was uh, 200 back then. So pretty, pretty crazy movement we've seen over the course of five years. Um, and well, we could talk about the, the, the distant future in a little bit. Um, so yes, the, the next uh, portion of this, I want to talk about our new predictions. So uh, this is one of my predictions. Uh, smart glasses start to seriously appear on the market in two and a half years. And I based this on a few demos that I've seen companies coming through over the last few, uh, over the last year and last few months at Foursquare of people trying to commercialize smart glasses. They're a lot better than they were when Google Glass came out in 2013. And reports that uh, Apple and, and Microsoft and others are trying to figure out, you know, what's next? Uh, what can we get people to buy next? And it looks like uh, this is kind of on the top of their list. So what do you guys think about smart glasses? Have you seen similar things? Or do you think it's something that people are trying that uh, just like VR might not come to fruition as fast as we hope? Who wants to start? Crystal? Sure, I'll start. I know that Amazon has an invitation-only um, product right now for smart glasses. Um, Echo Frames, that's what it's called. Echo Frames. I, yes. Um, I actually got an invitation, but just didn't um, go move forward with it just because I had a lot going on. Um, but that would be interesting to see what happens over the next few months or year, et cetera, um, with Amazon Echo right. Frames. Yeah. So, Craig, do you think that... Uh, AR might uh, make progress where VR is um, making progress, but do you think AR might be able to make more progress in um, uh, getting more than just the early adopters in the consumer market? Uh, I, I expect that AR adopters, smart glasses, are going to still be a very bleeding, bleeding edge type of community. Those who have a very specific use case or just like to have the latest, uh, most interesting stuff. I think VR yeah, has possible. a lot better chance of ubiquity uh, and common use uh, more quickly than AR at this point with regards to like smart glasses, things like this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I could just get it a hookup to my existing glasses when I buy new glasses, then that would be pretty simple. And then it would be like a, a benefit if you wear glasses, not sort of a, an extra thing that you have to have. Yeah. If they could do like a reflective coating and have like a little camera somehow that 
or projector that projects on it and then have a little microphone as well built into it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Crystal, we're going to talk about telemedicine now. Um, so you said this in 2018, you said that within 10 years, half a doctor's visits will occur virtually. And we talked about that uh, in the last episode. And we were concerned that maybe uh, doctors and people in medicine would be hesitant to pick up this technology uh, very quickly, which is why we have the 10-year time span. I almost feel like now with coronavirus, telemedicine is becoming a necessity and it's going to kind of push people to at least get set up. What do you think? Right. Yes, I agree. And there, there are two um, use cases for it. One would be in the hospital setting. There are a lot of rural hospitals that just don't have the means to hire, say, an overnight doctor. Um, so one doctor potentially could be covering four, five, six smaller hospitals um, virtually. So that's one use case. And then they would communicate directly with the nurses um, and have the ability to view the patients through video. Another use case that I think will become more popular is um, just regular check-ins. Say if you have the flu, you might think you have a virus. It's very contagious. It might be better for you to stay home and do a video conference with your doctor as opposed to going into the office, having a very, very long wait time and infecting others. And I think it's after coronavirus, people, patients might be more likely to want to use the service. Even before coronavirus, it makes no sense. If I'm sick, if I have the flu or I have uh, some, some virus or whatever, right. why would I go in if I don't have to and get everyone sick or go in exactly. if I don't get myself sick? Right. Um, you should only go, go in in certain situations. Yep. But it seems like they're very, um, you know, they, they, they're not likely to do things over video chat that... Um, uh, that it's almost like they want to do things over video chat uh, only when they have to, whereas it should be you only go in when you have to. Right, right. And you also have to think about, you know, like scaling this out. And then what if um, a certain population doesn't have access to internet, and then it would just be difficult to do the video chat yeah. if the connection isn't good. So uh, related was another prediction I had for this year is actually that Wi-Fi will become public um, and free, maybe possibly included in our taxes for everyone. I think it's just getting to the point where it's a necessity. And we're seeing that now, like with the education system, not everyone has Wi-Fi. So not everyone has access to the same educational materials when you're doing school from home. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of the people without home internet are going to be in very rural areas. It's probably less common here in New York City. And so um, it, it's always more difficult to get um, higher uh, you know, a uh, higher level of internet access out there. But um, right. yeah, I don't know. Um, we're also seeing it in New York City now, actually. We're seeing that in New York City with our children in public schools. Um, during the last week, there were hundreds of thousands of students who were not able to get internet access to do their schoolwork. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of, uh, it, it, it's almost hard to believe that people don't have internet access now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess that's true. By the way, before we go into our, uh, another question on, on new predictions, what do you guys what, what do you guys think? How long do you think we'll be staying in here? What do, what do you guys think? Uh, are we are we stuck inside until um, until the end of May or June, or are we stuck inside eighteen months, as some politicians have suggested? Uh, do you guys want to throw caution to the wind and just throw a number out there? 
Uh, I personally am just going out and licking telephone poles. So that's, that's how I'm doing with this. No, complete joke, obviously. Um, <laughs> way to go. Craig. Clearly the lampposts are the way to go. Forget. Telephone oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> but, uh, but the, I think that um, likely the majority uh, or all, I'm thinking most of the United States will be open as regular by August, late August or so. Uh, I think like 90 ish percent will be around there. Um, I'm hoping it's, yeah, I'm hoping you're yeah. right. Um, maybe even a little earlier than that, but if August I'll take at this point, just give I think a little bit of summer. We're going to see a lot of uh, variation in localities choosing when to reopen their areas, depending upon outbreak levels, depending upon uh, what their current levels of hospital space is looking like. Because really in the end it is either A, we have a vaccine or, or, or something just to prevent it, or we just have to actually at some point get back to moving on working within the world as, and then deal with that blunting of that curve as we keep talking about. I can't remember what the proper term is. Right, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. So that, that flattening the curve is going to mean we're going to have sections of the states opening up locally saying, hey, we're ready to open up and we have enough to deal with the increase at the hospitals as we go through this and the testing that we need to do. Yeah, I can imagine something at like some, a place like Foursquare where it helps to be together. They might be like starting, okay, you come in like twice a week or everybody could come in twice a week and that way we stagger it so the subways are pretty much clear and, um, and you can I go expect, off hours and things like that. I expect that your like heavily population, heavy population density areas are going to be closed longer than the areas of the states that are more or more rural, more urban, or more suburban areas. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. And I'm afraid, you know, they won't let New Yorkers escape. Or right now they will let us escape, but they kind of make us quarantine for 14 days. I'm okay if I need to get out of the city and it's like uh, I, I find a place and it's like stay in for 14 days, fine. It's no different than what I've been doing. But um, uh, I really don't want them to lock us in here. <laughs> uh, uh, some people maybe don't care. It's like, well, I'm going to be here anyway. But uh, I don't know. Some, the right to leave the city is very important, right? Yeah, the, is that as, as we start loosening restrictions on some of that, we're going to see uh, an echo spike somewhere that they'll think they're through the worst of it, they'll loosen restrictions, and then all of a sudden they'll get a, a huge spike in new cases as a result of that because they uh, too were early. overly ambitious. Yeah, uh, that's a shame. All right, so the last question we had, we had predictions on both sides of this. Um, one, uh, you know, I predicted last time that in, in 10 years with kind of the self-driving cars and, and, um, and automated travel that the outer suburbs would become much more popular than they are now. Now urban areas are popular just because, uh, you know, there's a lot more you could do from there since uh, transportation costs go down. You have to own less cars. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about being so tired when you're, when you're driving so you can get kind of uh, further uh, during the day, get other things done. Um, but um, we also have a prediction that urbanization will increase in the next few years. Obviously, my outer suburbs prediction, now the equation has changed with coronavirus because now I sort of feel like people maybe want to get out of the cities a little more. I sort of feel like, you know, I, maybe, uh, maybe it's not so great living in the city or, or making the city your home base. Um, but there are still benefits to urbanization. So where do you guys fall on that? Uh, do you think we're going to become more urbanized or do you think we're going to become more decentralized, uh, suburbanized? 
I I would say uh, that I expect in the short term, uh, short term you're going to see both urbanization and uh, suburbanization depending upon the resources available to a family unit. Um, then a little bit longer term you'll see more urbanization because we're all going to be uh, definitely a little bit less uh, funds available to make the the more expensive living situation of the the rural environment. Um, well, but urban's, I mean, I, I could be different here. It's very expensive out here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm not, don't have all the facts in front of me to, to determine how much cost it is. But the average cost, I think, is a little bit less to be in a heavily populated area than to be in a less heavily populated area um, across the states, I would think. Uh, but I also think that with the, with the changes around um, probably telework, telemedicine, teleeducation, um, and just the the constraining of monies, then we're going to see families trying to combine themselves closer together, which may mean needing more space for themselves alone, which might impact the uh, suburbanization process. So it's it's going to be a weird like dichotomy or, or uh, stretching between all those factors of do I want to be around a lot of people or around less people? Do I have the money to be in the different areas um, and what my concern is from regards of like epidemic standpoint, because obviously that's going to be on everyone's mind for a long time. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, people might be for, forgotten about this in three years, but uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's going to be kind of a, a mental scar <laughs> that everyone's going to be carrying around for a while. Uh, I think that p- prices of co-ops and condos might drop too, as a result. Um, and, and, their, their price will go down, but not necessarily the number of people in the city. Why co-ops and condos in particular? I think they're overpriced. A lot of them are overpriced anyway right now. It's a little and, bit of a bubble. Right, right. So I think the price will, will come down, especially in New York City. Okay. Well, I hope so. I mean, I still have to stay in the city for a while. Um, maybe I should get out eventually, but I, I need a little more time for that. So we'll see what happens. I wonder... Happens. If there's another like part two of this epidemic, then I think people might also reconsider like living in the city and being so close together and being on the subways all the time. Yeah. But if this is a one-time thing, I think people will forget about it next year. But if it like let's say this recurs like every year and we're seeing this again in October, then you're going to see people fleeing the city. I want to be prepared for part two, but I, I, there's also the possibility that look before this, these things. Well, yes, these epidemics did happen. There was H1N1, West Nile virus, all that stuff. But like, they weren't that big of a deal, and so it could be that these events, like coronavirus, are relatively rare, and that we'll be worried about it afterwards. But um, but it, it might it just might not happen for a while. Right. But but round two is totally possible. And so, um, yeah, I want to be prepared for round two. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what do you uh, think about? Yeah. I, I don't know if if, if uh, coronavirus is going to be the, the catalyst for this or not, but part of the moving out of the cities really requires, I mean, I guess look at it the other way. Part of the reason that people move to the cities uh, in the first place is because that's where the jobs are. Uh, right. and, and maybe this will loosen some of those restrictions that that the more teleworking we see the less important being physically located there is 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 going to play into it yeah uh, but if it's it's all well and good to say oh you can you can live uh, a, a better lifestyle and less expensively out out in in a more rural area but if there's no work to be had there then that's a non-starter for uh 
you know, millennials, Zoomers, and whatever the generation after that is. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, also, I've noticed at work, like, yes, there's benefit to having 200 people in a room, you know, maybe uh, in a giant room, maybe you interact with people in different uh, parts of the company. But there's also a benefit to just interacting with the same four or five people every day, having a really good sense of what everybody does and how everyone works. And so that is more sustainable, I think, in a, in a suburban environment where you can have uh, smaller teams um, that you know maybe report into bigger teams, but you don't have to have those giant uh, work areas. Although, Craig, you have a giant work area out in kind of a suburban-ish area, or maybe it's urban. I don't know what you consider it, but, uh, you know, so it's not like, um, it's not like you need to live in an urban area to have those, you know, giant working parks or whatever they call it, corporate office office. parks and corporate, uh, corporate parks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're they're all over the place. Um, I mean, Raleigh and RTP where I'm at as people may or may not know from the podcast that there's a good, a good enough amount of urbanization, but it's sprawl and it's suburban feeling a lot of time, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to make a prediction is that in the next tech retreat in five quarters from now, the spring of uh, 2021, we'll do it somewhere around there. Maybe we won't do it exactly in the spring of 2021. We'll see. But uh, I predict that uh, it'll, it'll be once again in person. At least I really hope. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining me today. Go over our predictions. Have a great week. You guys have to say bye to everyone. Oh, we have to say bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Adios. It's, Adios. It's weird, it's weird with more people. All right, great. I have a couple of addendums here. First, uh, Craig wanted to clarify his timeline on our lockdowns. Uh, we'll see, see if he's right in the timeline, but, or if any of us are right in the timeline. But he said, you know, the more rural areas might be open in May or June, or maybe not rural, maybe less, uh, less affected. Uh, and dense urban areas like where I am now uh, might take till August or September. Hopefully not that long, but uh, but I'll take it. If we're if we're open permanently and there isn't a second wave, that would be fantastic. Another one I wanted to watch is uh, another area that we've talked about in the past is sort of related to 3D printing. Because I was just thinking about all of these factories and such that are switching operations on a dime to produce things like face masks and ventilators and other things that we need so desperately right now all around the country. And I thought perhaps there's a way to use 3D printing where you can have factories in several different locations that can produce any item that's experiencing a shortage. So there's certainly an economic advantage to such manufacturing these times. And perhaps normal times as well, there would be um, an advantage where you could just kind of make up for um, whatever um, supply chain happens to be slow. Uh, also kind of, you know, maybe decentralized manufacturing and not have all of our supply chains, you know, uh, dependent on one country like China, which is, for better or worse, becoming an increasingly unpopular um, thing to have in this country. So what do you think out there? Localmaxradio at gmail.com if you want to weigh in. Uh, Hope you enjoyed. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. 
If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. It'll feel the power. 